Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things. There's the ball. Oh, man. And there's the crossbar. Now, he didn't throw it through the crossbar from his knees from 60 yards out. That would make him a first-round pick. Yeah, that's where I want to see. Uh, That's a year ago. Okay. I mean, the guy is... It's insane. Unbelievable. It is. He's, he's like the, 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 he's just the natural, the gifted. I mean, behind his back. I mean, seeing him shoot a basketball, anything. Like we talked about in the spring. If you made me get one football player and go, I need a three-pointer. You got to hit a three-pointer. Or you, I need somebody that can hit the five iron, you know, 170 and, and get it 10 feet in the – like I'm picking Patrick Mahomes. He's got the greatest hand-eye I think I've ever seen at the quarterback position. And what was that? What do you think he threw that from? yesterday 50 yard line somewhere in there I mean that was a that looked like a pretty long throw I wish we could have saw the whole field to to gauge that a little bit you'll really be impressed by what you learn from Mahomes when you watch the quarterback series too because you get a glimpse into how hard he works every single day I know hashtag no days off remember that one too as you watch it no days off who takes a day off and who doesn't take a day off that's all I'm going to say about it for now Mahomes (laughs) is at it every single day working with his own guy well, his, guy, his own guy has this procedure for getting his body right between yeah. games so yeah. he can do all those things. Right. And, and the way that they work so that when his body's moving, he has full command left, right, everywhere with his head as his body's all – I mean, it, this isn't something you just roll out of bed with. No. You have the basic skill, yeah. but then you, you hone your body right. through constant effort. And exercise and training to the point where you can do those things in real time, and it's one of the reasons. That, that's why. cool. That's he's what my my dad the was ever. saying. Yeah, he's he's you're right. He's got the chance to be the greatest ever. That's what we're watching here. You know, he's certainly already, in my opinion, in that top five best quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life for sure. And he's on a trajectory to be the best best ever. And I, you know, I told you my dad watched it. It was the first just to piggyback off what he says. The first thing he said to me about the whole thing, he goes, "Mahomes, the way he works." 
his workouts. He goes, to your point, Mike, he goes, they're, they're, it's revolutionary what the guy's doing. He goes, it's, the other quarterbacks are going to watch what he's doing and go, whoa, I, I got to do this. And, you know, this, the Sims family, we were, you know, very much into working out and, and taking advantage of that element to, to play the quarterback position. And uh, it's cool to, to hear that, you know, Mahomes is doing all that stuff too. Very impressive three phase, three days per week, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, working with his personal coach to get himself ready for each game. And by the end of the week, I mean, he's he's full speed. He is full go and he is ready. He has recovered from that most recent game by Friday and all the bumps and bruises are smoothed out and he's ready to go. It really is. You, you'll love that part of it. You'll love all of it. Yeah, all right. Cool. Uh, one thing Andy Reid didn't love about the weekend showing up for training camp was Chris Jones. Defensive tackle, not there. And, hey, we've seen this coming because you've got a cluster of guys around 22.5 to 23.5 million. Quinn and Williams, don't listen to 24. It's 23.5. Jeffrey Simmons, 23.5. Deron Payne, 22.5. Dexter Lawrence, 22.5. And you got Aaron Donald at 31.6. Chris Jones wants to be closer to Aaron Donald, a lot closer to Aaron Donald than that group at 22.5 to 23.5. Here is Andy Reid on the decision of Chris Jones to stay away from training camp as he tries to get the contract that he wants. And as far as Chris goes, we'll just see how things go here uh, down the road. Um, there had been communication. We'll see where it goes uh, from here. And, uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll take it. If you're not here, we just keep, we just keep moving. And that's how, that's how we roll. We don't worry a lot about that. We, we let it let take care of itself, and we got great people working working on that. So, I'm not worried about that. Um, were you a bit surprised by that decision given his track record? Um, yeah, I'd probably tell you that. Yeah, I was a bit surprised. Track record doesn't matter. Track record, doesn't, and and I don't want to hear anybody say he's breaching his contract. Every player in the NFL has two contracts: the contract between him and the team, and the contract between all players and all teams. And under the CBA, he has the right to stay away if he's willing to give up the. $50,000 per day, non-waivable, for a player in his specific situation, not under his rookie contract with his original team. It's a $50,000 per day fine that can't be waived. He's willing to do that. Because, look, here's where the holdout is different from the hold-in, Chris. The hold-in has developed because of the changes to the fine structure. Because players are like, I don't want to have that $50,000 per day that can't be waived. I, I want that money. So the hold-in has become a popular alternative where the player is there, the team understands, the player isn't practicing while the negotiations continue. T.J. Watt worked out perfectly, right. being the highest-paid defensive player in football that way. But, but there's something about not being there that increases the pressure on the team. For the hold-in, the player's there. The player's there. And, and once you're there, it's a lot harder under the CBA to leave. If you never show up, it's a lot easier to stay away. And Chris Jones making it clear he's not coming until he gets what he wants. And reportedly, the two sides are very far apart. I would say the Chiefs are in the range of the deals we've seen at defensive tackle this year. And Jones is in the range of Aaron Donald. So they're going to have to bridge that gap. Yeah. And Chris, the other side of it, too, they have Patrick Mahomes, who is happily underpaid. Travis Kelsey, who is happily underpaid. I think they're hoping that Chris Jones is willing to be happily underpaid. And that's where this ends. That's where it's like, no, 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 no. Those guys can all play deep into their 30s. I only got so many years. I'm 29. This is it for me. I'm not going to play until I'm 40. This is it. I got to get paid now. 
and I'm at my peak now, and the peak's going to start to dip. i got to get my money now. So I fully support him trying to get every last penny that he deserves for the position that he plays. Yeah, I, I agreed, agreed. And, you know, it's interesting, first off. I mean, you know, the Chiefs, we just saw them make a marquee move last year with a guy around this age, right, and go, okay, wait, we don't want to pay you and Tyree Kill and do that, right? We're in year seven. It is D-tackle. You know, we can see we see players at defensive tackle still play at a high level at year seven, eight, nine, and ten. That that's a thing, especially for freaks of nature like Chris Jones, right? And you know, you mentioned and we know Mahomes is underpaid, and yeah, Kelsey's underpaid. You know, I you know this is this is pretty egregiously underpaid as well. We're talking about a defensive tackle who was fourth in football in sacks last year. He's the only D tackle. That's in the top 10 in sacks, right? And he's a D-tackle, a true D-tackle. It's not some guy that gets to play on the edge in certain situations or all that. It's very limited. Last year, Mike, we said this, what, five, ten times? It was probably the first year we came away and went, well, I don't think Aaron Donald was the best defensive tackle in football last year. I know he was hurt and all that, and he's still the man, but I think I can objectively go come here and go, no, Chris Jones is the best defensive tackle in football last year, let alone he was number two in football the four or five years before that, too, right? So he's got, they got to bridge the gap. The Chiefs got to bridge the gap. It's on them here. This is, this is ridiculous. For him to get $20 million and to have guys like, yeah, Quinnen Williams and Jeffrey Simmons, who are not of his caliber and haven't done what he's done for that franchise, he needs to be paid more. I don't know if it's Aaron Donald, but it needs to be somewhere to $27, 28000000 type million dollars a year type of average uh, for Chris Jones, at least in my book. The Athletic apparently reported, according to Pete Demolitis, that he wants $30 million per year. That doesn't surprise me. Look, yeah. the cap has gone up since Aaron Donald has done his deal. And Jones, they don't win Super Bowl 54 without Chris Jones freaking out Jimmy Garoppolo and Agreed. having him not spot a wide-open George Kittle on a key third down that would have essentially iced the game. And they don't get to Super Bowl 57 yes. without Jones waking up. Like, like Jones isn't dominant Aaron Donald-style play-in and play-out. But and big he moments. knows when uh-huh. it's time That's right. to kick it That's in. That's right. He and does. when it felt like the Bengals were going to drive down the field and win the game with a field goal, yep. he woke up and he kept the Bengals from doing it. And even with Patrick Mahomes, even with Mahomes, you've got to have somebody who's going to make a play on defense. And Jones is the guy that they've been counting on to do it. You can't replace him like you replaced Tyreek Kill. Ty- and it was actually kind of, you know, sorry, Tyreek, but it was addition by subtraction because Mahomes, you know, we talked about it last yeah, year, maybe right. focusing too much on forcing it to Tyreek. And if Tyreek is agitating, I want the ball more, I want the ball more, I want the ball more, smooth it out, run the offense, and you're better. And they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. This you ain't no Chris addition Jones by the mix. Yeah. There's yeah. no, yeah. yeah, there's no other guy <laughs> right. that you say, okay, go do what Chris Jones did. No, no, exactly right. It, it's a, it's a position that's, you know, extremely valuable, especially for them. Steve Spagnuolo, all the things they do on defense, they rely on Chris Jones to do a lot of things that, you know, go unnoticed to the untrained eye inside. He's a physical specimen. He is 
part of he is one of those guys when you're on the field or on that practice on a Friday before the Jaguars game or the pregame where he's one of those guys you look at and just go whoa he he makes them look special I mean not only with his play on the field but just their look when they come out on the football field so so, uh, yeah I hope they can get this done and I, I think this is one too where if I'm the Chiefs I'm not afraid to pay the guy at this age a little bit more money maybe than we normally want to with our formula and all that. Defensive tackle, freak of nature, seems like he keeps himself in shape. This is not a guy, a defensive tackle, where we're going to go, ooh, he might you know, get a little lazy here and put weight on or do anything like that. He's been a professional. I'd pay the premium to get him in there and continue this little dynasty run we got with the Chiefs right now. Hey, for running backs and defensive tackles, we've talked about this before. The mindset changes before and after you get your big contract. Potentially. Potentially changes. Right? You're hungrier. We are talking about it earlier with running backs. You yeah. run into that hole, put your head down and go when you haven't been paid. Once you've gotten paid, well, we got to look at this a little differently. Jones got paid and got better. He did. Right. He got paid and he got better. Yeah. They want to be great there, right? That's the one thing I, I sense from this Kansas City team, being around them a little bit. It's why I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, I think, five years in a row. And probably I'm going to pick them again this year because I think they're a team that feeds off the greatness. They want to be great. They're not content. You could tell that by Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones interviews, whatever. They, they want this. So I don't think you've got to worry about this with this core group here. And, you know, again, if, if, you know, Hopefully they feel the same way. This is one of those guys I think you do reward for your franchise because it, it sets an example for the other guys. Like, hey, look, this guy works. He plays. He shows up in the big moments, just like Kelsey and Mahomes. And, you know, we reward them, and we're going to try to continue to reward them. Maybe not as much as they'd like to either. Uh, but, yeah, they got to get this done if they, they want to be, you know, the real contender we expect them to be uh, this year in, in, in football. Another player on the roster for whom they get significant value because they don't have to pay him much, and he's entering only year three of his career, receiver mm. Kadarius Toney. A guy who they think can become that true number one that they haven't had since trading Tyreek Hill. He left practice after tweaking his knee. Giants fans kind of yeah. smirk huh. at that because right. he was always injured in New York. And he's had this offseason thing with New York and there was some social media stuff that was a bad look and he's done some videos that you know he's got he's got an issue with New York all things New York and uh, I I thought that maybe the Chiefs would coach that that element out of him but it's there and also what's there is a knee problem that we'll see how long it keeps him from being part of these preseason preparations yeah he's bitter at New York which he should be I mean I, I mean I understand it to a degree you know, I get it. It feels like he didn't get a fair shot a little bit, and people jumped on him early on in the process. A little bit like we saw Evan Ingram with the the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? They got a new fresh, new fresh start, and it changes their mindset and all that. I'll say this with Kadarius Tony: he's a superstar specimen. You know, we talked about this last year. He could be a number one game changing. You know, formulate our passing game around this guy type of guy. That's why they traded for him. But here's the risk, and this is what's starting to worry me about him a little bit. It's real. We talk about this all the time, too, Mike. I mean, what is this? Lower leg injury number 97 of his three-year career so far? There's obviously a deficiency here that we can't, they can't figure out. 
I mean, it's it's lower leg injuries of the Giants. It was a lower leg injury with the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Didn't he hurt it in the AFC Championship game, making a cut, and he was barely 100% or if you were worried about that, you know, coming into the Super Bowl? And here it is again. That's where I get a little worried for the Chiefs. Is this a guy that's you're going to be able to rely on to be the number one guy week in and week out? Are we always going to be dealing with a little tweak here and a tweak there? Uh, I think that's what I, I worry about long-term with Kadarius Tony. And, and uh, you know, we talked earlier about running backs and strategies and, you know, embellishing. And, and, and I know Giants fans would say they think that Kadarius Tony embellishes or exaggerates just as a way to act out. We just assume Andy Reid always finds a way to speak to the better angels of any players that are on his team. But it, it, it could be that they're having – who knows? Who knows? That's the, I don't know. And I don't play that card lightly, but when you look at the history and why things didn't work for him with the Giants, you know, the Chiefs have welcomed him in and they have high hopes for him, but there's still a fundamental change in approach and attitude that I think we need to see him undergo. And that's why I look at some of this stuff that's happened with social media and when he, I think he claimed he was hacked, which, okay. Yeah, I saw that, but I'm not, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. But, but you know, what you just see some behaviors that make you think there's a deeper issue there that has yet to be solved, that he's yet to mature his way through. Yeah, right. That's a challenge for the Chiefs. Uh, challenge for the Raiders was to see Jimmy Garoppolo pass his physical, and he did. <laughs> and it's a shame because it would have been a whole great storyline. <laughs> yeah, you would have liked that. I'm glad he's healthy. You would have liked that. I'm glad he's healthy. I'm glad he's healthy. But it really would have been a great storyline. But here's the, here's the real storyline. Okay, he passed his physical. How long is he going to stay healthy once it's time to play games? And that's not something we're just throwing a dart and saying, oh, well, we're making this up. Or there's, you know, a, a voodoo doll that we're sticking a pin into. We know yeah. he can't stay healthy. We have the graphic with the evidence of all the injuries he's had. So, And there it is. So, yes, yes, he's healthy now. He failed his physical in March. He had surgery. He's rehabbed it. He's good to go. He gets his money. How long does he stay healthy? Yeah. And look at that list of injuries Damn. at at one of the most protected positions on the field, he can't stay healthy. We're not talking about running backs. With running backs, the position is conducive to injury. At quarterback, it's conducive to not injury, and he still gets injured. Yeah, no, it, it's certainly uh, you know a, a bad look for his career, or one of the tough looks of his career. He is for the 2023 average starting quarterback. His mobility is below average for what we expect this day and age. He is truly a pocket passer that way. So that I think puts him in danger's way a little bit as well. But yeah, we're all looking at this, Mike. Like you said, this is a it's a good story. I mean, one, they got rid of Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, he's, you know, fits the New England way. He's been with Josh McDaniels. I'm excited for all that, definitely, and some of the potential there. But at the same time, yeah, we're all going to sit here and look because by the look of things, it looks like Jimmy G and Don Yee were in the trust tree with the Raiders and all that, and they screwed him over and fleeced him and said he was healthy and everything was good and they gave him a lot of damn money. And and then it didn't look right because he couldn't practice through the OTAs. And the Raiders, you know, they tried not to talk about it and acted like they knew this was the part of the deal or whatever. But baloney, bullcrap. Nothing to see here. Yeah, nothing, nothing to, to see, see here, here except our quarterback wasn't healthy and we gave him a lot of money. So, damn. I mean, obviously, he was there that day to sign and they had to redo the contract because of the injury. 
You know, that, that didn't happen. Took away the signing exactly. bonus. Exactly. Like, come Took on. it away. So, yeah, we're all looking at this now to go, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to stay healthy? One, because it's Jimmy Garoppolo and it's a, a story around him. And then two, because of the Raiders and they probably trust in him and Don Yee and Josh McDaniels and that group have done business with those people. And it seems like they got screwed over a little bit by that crew there. So we're going to watch it extra hard because of that. And Don Yee has another client who's about to become a partial owner of the Raiders. I don't know where that stands by way of the approval of Tom Brady's acquisition of a minority share of the organization. But obviously, once that's finalized, the Raiders are the only team he could ever play for if he decides to play again. And I don't know what he's going to do. And I don't think he knows what he's going to do because he doesn't know how he's going to feel. Because we've talked about this. The train is going to leave the station without him. And we've talked many times about how you felt that first year. Yeah. When football was over. Yeah. How's he going to feel oh, I can't when football is over for the yeah. first time in 35 right. years? And I only mention him because that that when you look at their roster, if you have to break glass in event of emergency and you got TB12 floating around, that who knows? Who knows? But it all begins with Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see how long he can stay healthy. He should be able to stay healthy through training camp in the preseason. Now, it's only in preseason games. If he plays, it'll be subject to being actually hit. But the guy's injury prone. He just is. He's made bad decisions. He gets his body caught up in traffic. That's what happened against the Dolphins yeah. when he injured his foot. You got to know when to get down. You got to know when to get out of bounds. You got to know when to throw the ball away. You got to know how to move in space and manage the game in a way that keeps you from getting hit. Yeah. Minimize the number that's of right. times you get hit, and that's how you stay healthy. One guy, very quickly, who got injured last year for the Broncos, running back Javante Williams. There was concern about whether or not he'd be ready. He starts training camp not on the physically unable to perform list. He passed his physical. He's good to go after the ACL surgery. That's great news for the Denver Broncos, who pair him with Samaje Pirine in the backfield. And Sean Payton's another one of these guys that'll use two or three running backs, and you never have all your eggs in one basket. Now they've got Pirine and Javante Williams, and who knows, they may add somebody else before it's all said and done. Didn't they add Latavius Murray, too? Am I misremembering things? I don't I think, think they, they have Latavius Murray. Maybe, maybe I they, may be wrong. Yeah, I don't think they did. I think there was a let me check. There was some talk out there about them doing that, but I don't think that actually came to happen. He ended up going to oh, the, he's Bills, with the Bills, right? Yeah, Bills. Right. One of those Bills Broncos. Broncos they both one have of those shades things of blues. with you know that can like you know jump Bears up on two Battlestar Galactica, yeah, whatever, yeah. something like that. But uh, hey, good for the Broncos. There's great somebody news. out there yeah. that they've talked about signing. Somebody. <laughs> well, it's great Not for Javante Williams though. It is. I'm happy for him. Like we talk about running backs. I mean, come on. But And he's a talented guy that has the ability to lead the NFL in rushing. And, you know, to your point with Sean Payton, you know, one of the things that kind of goes under the radar with Sean Payton, we always, you know, Drew Brees, 5,000 yards, throwing the ball, all of that. Man, those last five or six years with New Orleans, they were a really good running football team. And you want to start this, let's get Russell Wilson back to being Russell Wilson. That damn run game and Javante Williams are going to be a big part of what helps him make that transition to being you know, the guy we think he can be. So, you know, good for him and Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, good for Commanders fans. There is finally a new owner. Will they have a new name as well? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. 
But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I've had many sleepless nights, and I will have many sleepless nights. Like, I'm going to sweat this. Uh, I feel an awesome sense of responsibility to the city of Washington. I know what I got to do. Uh, and ultimately, that comes down to winning. And uh, it's not easy. There are uh, 31 other owners that are good at what they do. There are 31 other cities. Uh, but it's on me, and it's on our ownership group to deliver, and that's what we're going to do. This is uh, incredibly important right now for this city. And I'm going to be remembered for what I do in Washington. And so that's not lost on me. And so uh, I'm all in. Sleepless nights, many sleepless nights. Being a multi-billionaire isn't what's cracked up to be. Well, I'd like to think at least if you had that much money, you could sleep at night. Well, you know, maybe it's like you. You got lots of millions and everything like that, too. It's no days off. You're always Shut working, up. too. <laughs> so, you know, just it's a grander scale. But I do like what he's saying there. I do. He seems invested. And then lying about saying, like, I'm going to be remembered by this, by Washington fans, you know, that, that, that'll hit home a little bit. And I'm, I'm so happy. I'm happy for the Washington fan base, Mike. I mean, I, to me, it's, it was when I was growing up and, you know, you were a, a younger man, it was the, one of the marquee franchises in sports. I mean, it was, the, it was like, whoa, here comes, you know, Washington. Watch out. Joe Gibbs, all the tradition, the hogs, all of that. And it's just totally lost its way. And hopefully Josh Harris and company can get it back. Three Super Bowls in eight years with three different quarterbacks during the Joe Gibbs era. It has fallen off dramatically since then. The stadium is horrendous. That's part of what they will be trying to solve. And here's reality. Anybody could have bought that team and been welcomed like a hero. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You or I could have bought the team and they would love us in D.C. Okay? What Josh Harris does now is what will determine his own legacy. I think the bar is going to be very low, at least for the first couple of years. The one lingering concern I have, and I don't know at the end of the day whether or not the NFL looked the other way on any of its financial requirements, but there was just enough of this question of the deal being buttoned up the right way and over-leveraged this way, over-leveraged that way, 15 to 20 minority partners. 
I would want, if I'm a Commanders fan or a fan of any team, I'd want the owner to be one person who can write a check for the whole damn thing. I would have wanted Jeff Bezos, and I want somebody who's got that kind of money and is willing to spend it on everything. Salary cap, you're limited, but still, there are ways you can be more attractive with signing bonuses and cash flow. Coaches, no salary cap. Load them up like David Tepper is. Get all the best of the best on your staff because you can pay as much as you want. Facilities, they can be state-of-the-art, beyond state-of-the-art. You got the money to do it. Front office, get all the best people. I don't – I just – the correlation to me is, man, it felt like they kind of hold had to hold this thing together with duct tape and glue to get it across the finish line. Are they going to have the kind of money to truly compete with the best franchises? That is the question I would have. If I was looking for anything to worry about as a fan – with a sleepless night of my own, that's what I'd be worried about. Yeah, I I, I hear you. I mean, you, you you make some good points there. I, I get get what you're saying, you know. But but you know, it, it, still, it's it's all positives. And like you're saying, from where it's at, you know, I, I I don't know if it can go down. That's for sure. And this is hopefully a guy that's got a clue and knows how to run a business. And and the biggest thing is what? Just hey, Josh Harris, you know, be an owner, learn the game. Do things you want to do, you know. Stick your nose in if you want, but you better do your homework. Don't be doing that crap that the last owner was doing. I mean, you saw what Jay Gruden said, right, last week, right? I mean, you yep. know me. I've shared some stories about the Shanahan family and what they had to deal with there. Daniel Snyder effed up that franchise. I mean, effed it up. I want to say F word 74 times. That's how bad he effed it up. I mean, come on. It's just, it's st- just uh, uh, sticking your nose in places you don't, you have no business doing it. And it's, it's set back the whole franchise. It's set back the whole culture and everything, let alone what he did with Jay Gruden and making decisions there and just, you know, pulling power plays over the people that know football. I mean, trading for RG3 in the second pick of the draft. You know, why the Shanahans are meeting with Peyton Manning at their house and then going down and they don't even know. I mean, it was like the craziest shit you can imagine. You know, they want to trade for, they want to trade for Marty Bolger and he pulls a fast one and trades for Donovan McNabb behind their back. I mean, come on. This is what they've been dealing with in Washington. So thank God he's gone. And, yeah, it does seem a little duct tape-ish like you're saying, but we'll take it. We'll take it as a football fan of the Washington team there. One of the the things that he did early on that was a problem, he, he got too close to the players, and it undermined the authority of the Definitely. coach. That was a common theme right. early in the tenure of Dan Snyder. But – the stuff that happened within the team headquarters, the rampant sexual harassment, the the Beth Wilkinson investigation that got brushed under the rug, we can only guess what might have been in there if that investigation had ever been reduced to writing. Then comes the Mary Jo White investigation that was happening as the supplement to Beth Wilkinson because, and this all goes back to the John Gruden emails being leaked, that was the first domino that commenced a process of Congress getting interested in this entire Washington ordeal, more former employees speaking out, Tiffany Johnston accusing Daniel Snyder of sexual harassment. That sparked the Mary Jo White investigation. Along the way, allegations of financial impropriety, basically picking the pockets of his partners by reallocating money that should have been shared with the league in the visiting team pool, keeping that for himself. 
I thought they were going to whitewash the Mary Jo White investigation, no pun intended. I thought it was just going to be gone. I thought that was part of the quid pro quo. Like, hey, I'm going to go away quietly. Don't kill me on the way out the door with this Mary Jo White investigation. That that 22-page report, holy crap. Yikes. It found that, that Tiffany Johnston's claims were sustained, as Mary Jo White used the term. And the notion of money getting moved around to keep it out of the league's pockets that would be distributed to all teams basically they did pick the pockets of his partners that's insane that was sustained as well yeah 60 million dollar fine on the way out the door which is one percent of the purchase price but it's a strong message and chris the other thing that i've been saying and i don't know how the statutes of limitations play into this i haven't researched it that far but that mary joe white report that's a blueprint for a prosecution if there's somebody in virginia or maryland or a federal prosecutor that has jurisdiction over the team and what was going on then? It's got fraud oozing out of it. It never uses the word fraud in the report. Notions of fraud are oozing out of that report. And if somebody wanted to prosecute over this, they got everything they need as a starting point with Mary Jo White's 22-page report. I would think so. Yeah, it's it's it's, does, it's not a good look. That's for sure. I mean, what a, you know, you're rich. Again, this is, you know, you're rich as hell. And you're screwing over other partners that you're a part of. To, for a little bit more money? I mean, does it get any dirtier than that? I mean, come on. That's insane. And, yeah, I mean, of course there's some things there to prosecute. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But either way, we're just – as football fans, I think we're all glad he's just gone. See you later. It's funny because everything you say about Daniel Snyder, you run through the filter of can he sue me for this, can he sue me for this. But with this, it's in the report. Mary Jo White found that it happened. There was no reason to pull punches. She didn't use the word fraud, but it was fraud. She didn't use the word theft, but it was theft. He took money from his partners. And I remember when that allegation first surfaced, early 2022, I spoke to somebody ownership level, and the reaction was, if it turns out he did this, he's done. It's over. If he, you know, it's it's one thing to mistreat your employees, but if you steal from us, you got a problem. It wasn't worded that way but that was the message and my here's my theory and this is just throw a dart and and i think it's plausible under the circumstances i think what happened was mary joe white began to find enough evidence to confirm the idea that there was some sort of accounting shenanigans and that's when they went to him last year and said you just got to sell this team. Yeah. And we're going to we're going to yeah. let you do I it in a way that appears voluntary. Right. Because if you're selling the team with a proverbial gun to your head, you're not going to get maximum value. And it's in everyone's interest for owners to get maximum value. So so you're just going to announce that you're selling the team. We're not going to force you to do anything, but you're going to do it this way or we're going to do it our way. And I think they did it that way. That's what got him over $6 billion. He had to give up $60 million, and now he floats off into the sunset on his super yacht with an extra $6 billion. Well, $6.05 billion minus $60 million equals $5.99 billion. He's That's doing what he fine. gets. Not, not a bad return on the team that he bought 24 years ago. No, definitely not. Um, but I'm excited for the, the new group. Like you said, it is a big group. It seems a little different, but... Hey, you got Magic Johnson and some people there to hopefully like help bridge the gap between the community and the right. team again to get that going a little bit. And we have like we got all the great tweets from Magic Johnson to look forward to this year, where he'll leave that like, "Hey, the Cowboys are playing Washington today. <laughs> hey, Washington beat the Cowboys twenty-one to ten. Hey, thanks, Magic." <laughs> Magic Johnson owns 4% of the team. So far, he's been more than 4% 
in the limelight. Yeah. And I wonder yeah. how much of that's intended, mm-hmm. how much of that is, hey, this is just what you get with Magic, and everybody loves Magic, so this is a great way to, He's the man. to help move beyond yeah. Daniel Snyder. But one thing he said on the Today Show, he was asked about a potential change of the name from Commanders to something else. Mm. He said that's something they'll get to eventually have other issues to deal with. Now, that got twisted on social media into they'll consider a name change after the season. He never said that. And I'm told there's no timeline whatsoever for considering a possible name change. I mean, if they would be great this year, that that cements the name, right? And just the fact that that's the name of the team when you go through this moment of euphoria when you get rid of Daniel Snyder, that potentially makes people who were ambivalent about the name happy about the name. So mm-hmm. there's no timeline for changing it. There's no, oh, we're going to come up with a new name after the season. It could stay the name. It's all to be determined. One thing that has been determined is it's time to take a break. We're going to play a game of word association with the New York Jets when PFT Live continues right after this. Well, he was number 12 for his entire NFL career. Now he is back wearing the number he wore at Cal. Man. The new number... And Sauce Gardner presenting Aaron Rodgers with a chain. It's amazing. Number eight. Uh, and Aaron, very, very happy. He's still so happy to be with the Jets. He and really I really is. do believe a certain percentage of that is a middle finger to the Packers. I really do believe some of it is embellished to just tell the Packers, hey, I'm not there anymore. I'm here. Well, I, I think there's probably of that. Like, you know, yeah, let me gloat a little bit more to just prove to them how happy I am. But I think it's probably genuine, too. I mean, the energy and the talk up here in the area about the Jets, is it's, it's pretty up there. I think everybody's excited about it. You see the crowds that are there right now. You know, and I think he's getting what he wants, too, what he didn't have in Green Bay. You know, he's, he's, he's you know, probably getting a little more say in the offense with Nathaniel Hackett. They're probably talking to him a little bit more about the philosophy of their overall team with them. So he's getting brought into those conversations. And then the Jets got some cool young guys who, you know, are, they just got great personalities. And, I mean, even that, that that's crazy. What do you, what, I mean, buy me a necklace like that. Get me a damn PFT chain. No. Okay. And I'll wear it. All right. I'm your buddy. Isn't it time? You're the, you're the one with all the money. You buy me the chain and make me feel good. Come on. I'd need a ladder to climb up so I would be able to drape it around your, and, and we'd need an extra large chain to get around your giant head. All right. Word association. Word association time for the New York Jets. The Jets appearing on Hard Knocks. First word or words that come to mind. Oh, well, uh, I mean, can't miss TV. I, that, that's where I, I kind of look at it, right? I know Robert Sala was wearing that shirt with like, uh, I love Hard Knocks, which, which, is, which is I thought we were going to say it. I wanted to be like, you know, reverse psychology time would be my my uh, word word association with that. But no, I mean, the Jets are going to put on a fake smile and like, oh, hey, this is great. And then behind their, behind closed doors and things, and go, oh, this freaking hard knocks on these damn cameras and they're going to swear, whatever else. But they got some personalities and come on, is there a team that we're more interested to see what they're going to do this year than Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? And I call it potentially compelling to the extent the producers lean into the idea that the Jets don't want them there. I don't think they're going to present it that way, but it would be so much better than the usual cookie-cutter crap, frankly, that we see from the preseason hard knocks, as I've said before. And this isn't just knocking the NFL film's product because I love quarterback. 
I don't like hard knocks preseason because it's the same thing every year. This is a way to make it different. Because for the first time ever, you have a team that was drafted to do it that didn't want to do it take full advantage of that built-in tension in the production of the show. All right, the Aaron Rodgers-Garrett Wilson connection. First words that come to mind. Mm, uh, I want to just lean on actually something you just said a second ago. Potential. I mean, I look at that to be potentially, it could be one of the three or four best, you know, quarterback wide receiver combinations in football. Wilson's phenomenal. He fits this offense and what they want. Rodgers, we know, knows the offense to great extents, and this is his offense with Nathaniel Hackett. But also within that, like they're an offense that knows how to feed their guy, right? Like we saw with Devontae Adams. They'll go, wait, we'll feed you and feed you and feed you until you take him away, and that'll open up other things. But they'll do everything around him, and that's where, you know, would it shock me if Garrett Wilson's top two or three in the league in receptions and yards after this year's over? Not at all. Yeah, new BFFs. And Aaron Rodgers, one of the things he and I have in common is we like our friends that we have and we don't want to make new friends. That's why he's always <laughs> carrying around the same guys. He doesn't want to go through the process of making new friends. It's just too hard. It takes too much work. It's easy to have the people you're comfortable with. Well, he was comfortable with Devontae Adams. He's getting comfortable with his new BFF, Garrett Wilson. And he said last week that Wilson reminds him of Devontae Adams. All right. Brees Hall's importance to the offense as the running back enters year two coming off of a torn ACL. Well, I, I look at it and go like, you know, the, what do I want to say here? I mean, it's important. And, of course, he can take it to a level that's that's exciting. This is a horrible word association by me. We didn't see these beforehand, yes, everybody. So, I but what I want to say is ice, icing on the top or, you know, icing on the cake there is what Brees Hall would be. They got plenty of weapons and things to make it work. If they can have him well and healthy, that's where you go, oh, wait, you're stopping Garrett Wilson and Lazard, you know, and, you know, whoever else is downfield. Oh, here's Brees Hall and I threw it behind the line of scrimmage and he got 50 yards. That's where I look at it as icing on the cake. But they're not desperate at that position. Michael Carter, he's pretty damn good. The kid they drafted out of pit, Mike, you probably saw him on TV being close to them, Israel Abinaconda, right? He's a home run hitter. He's a lot like Brees Hall, a guy that you can just pitch the ball and go, 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 gadget legs, and he'll go 80 yards down the sideline. So that's what I'll say. It, it's it's uh, icing on the cake for Brees Hall. I'm going to go deeper than that. I yeah. think it's critically important to the team this year when you consider how difficult the schedule is, how difficult the division is. They're going to be hard-pressed to even make the playoffs. And Brees Hall was phenomenal last year. He was. Year. They palpably lost something when they lost him. Yeah, Yes, you've did. got other running backs. This is where you do have some surplus value because Brees Hall was so much better than everyone else. It's one of the reasons they're flirting with Dalvin Cook. They don't want to not have the best possible running backs available to complement the passing game. You still need to have a running game. You can't just pass, 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 pass all the time. So he's critically important, I believe, to what the Jets are trying to do, which is not going to be easy to do. The last one the most important one, the photo for the first time of Aaron Rodgers in his full New York Jets uniform, word association. Way too skinny. There's my association. Way too skinny. I, 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 I mean, you know me. I love Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I don't know what goes on with older players. They think, let me lose some weight. So I can be quicker and faster. And I want to go, no, you're losing muscle within that. 
and you're losing quickness still, you know, keep your weight, keep your armor, you know, keep your strength a little bit. That's just the thing. And it's not just me. My wife, who, you know, she barely pays attention to football. She saw a few pictures. She was like, whoa, Aaron Rodgers looks really skinny. What's going on there? So that was my word association. And, you know, didn't we go through this with him last year? Two years ago, a little bit. yeah. Like the like the the football pants are supposed to be tight they didn't on fit your his butt. End. Right. I know you're a very big legs and butt guy. Right. Anytime you've got a flap, right. That, that's just kind of of material in the back of football pants, you, you, you're too skinny. Yes. You're too skinny. You're exactly. supposed to have they're tight you know, pants. Muscles there. <laughs> yes. Flesh exactly. there that are pushing that that uh, that material tight. Right. And and it, and, it, and he was he, he had no, he had no ass two years ago. And uh, I think we can infer from the front side that when he turns around. There's going to be a flap of material <laughs> hanging there because his ass doesn't fill out his pants. That's right. Which Ex- could be a problem. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, that, yeah. Brett Favre, one year, lost 20 pounds in the offseason, and he paid for it. 100%. When it was time to play again. I, I he s- paid for it. I saw, you know, I saw teammates do it, you know, throughout my career. I'll, I'll, the great Derek Brooks. I mean, the greatest linebacker maybe to ever live as far as stand-up linebacker is concerned. I saw him do that late in his career, lose weight to try to be a little faster because, hey, I'm getting older, but didn't have the same power and explosion as he did. You know, he was still damn good, but, yeah, that's just, you know, one, one thing that jumps out to me. But, damn, he looks like he's throwing that damn ball good in practice. I'll say that. I have two words. Both are horribly dated references. One more dated than the other. The first one, the more dated one, is Gazoo, as in the Great Gazoo from the Flintstones. Oh my god! That photo. Oh, yeah. The second one, <laughs> the second one is Dukakis because of that helmet on his head. See, that's oh the thing. my god! When you gosh. lose all that weight, <laughs> when you lose all that weight, your body's too small for your helmet. So uh, that's about a 35-year-old photo, but it's still relevant today, and I stand by it. More PFT Live right after this. <laughs> I think, as always, the thing that's going to worry you is the hype train. I mean, as with most coaches, you know, this thing is just taking off, and it's out of control right now. And, and that's fine as long as we stay focused on the job at hand and the work. I just keep going back to that. Uh, we got to put the work in and, uh, and earn it. Yeah, they absolutely do. And the problem is the Lions have done nothing to merit the hype that they're now receiving. It kind of reminds me last year when everyone had the Bills penciled in as Super Bowl champions. From the Bills' perspective, it's like, what have we done to – to justify these expectations. We haven't been to the Super Bowl in 30 years, and you're expecting us to win it this year? Lions haven't won a playoff game since 1991, longer than the last time the Bills have been to the Super Bowl, and we're expecting the Lions to make the playoffs and have some sort of a deep run. And look, they finished strong last year. It's funny. It's funny. The Lions finished strong last year, and the Steelers finished strong. And nobody's saying the Steelers are going to be great this year. Why, why, why is it for one and not for the other, Chris? I don't get it. I guess it is the Lions are in the NFC and the Steelers are in the AFC. I think Specifically, yeah. the Steelers are in the AFC North and the Lions are in the NFC North, and the NFC North is a lot more wide open than the AFC North. Yeah, exactly. More wide open. I think the, the, the fact that the Lions' offense was so explosive and all that last year gives people great like hope. And they're, they're a fantasy team and all that type of stuff. So I think that adds to it as well. 
you know, but yeah, people also forget that they were dead last on defense, right? And the Bills did do merit or, or did more to merit that kind of talk. They were at least in the AFC championship game and in a shootout with Mahomes where there was 13 seconds left and we thought they were going to win the football game. Yeah, this one's different for sure. I'm with you, Mike. It's going to be a big challenge for Dan Campbell. Last year was the challenge of let's just get us moving in the right direction. Now it's gone so far as far as the hype like you're talking about. They're, you know, he's going to have to be the leader to keep everybody, you know, with their, their eye on the task here at hand. And, and that's where I look at them because they are a team too, Mike, like as you know, we were preparing for the show and I knew we were going to talk about this. Like I know Dan Campbell and stuff are ready, but they're also a team. Like when we, when I knew this segment was coming up, I was like, yeah, let me just look at the lions again and refresh my memory. And all. I do look at them and go, who's the leader of the lions, Mike? Who's the guy on their team that you'd go, he's going to talk in the locker room or he's going to get them going? Who is that? You know, that's the things I worry about. It's new to them. He's still a new head coach. He's got a lot of great things. But I wonder if they got the guys in the locker room to go, hey, 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 that was all BS last year. We got to play and work right now. That's something that certainly comes to my mind a little bit. And as Pete mentioned, Aiden Hutchinson would be the guy who I think so. at least did enough last year that he could step into the spotlight Agreed. this year. The right. guy who grew up the Lions fan seemed destined from day one of his football career to play for the Lions, and he's got the chops to, to back up whatever he would say in the locker room. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We talked about the undue expectations on the Bills last year. They have a key piece of the puzzle that they had planned to use more on offense this year, those plans may have gone up in smoke. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. How many horses do you have? I have two horses. Two horses. Yep. I just occur- I've never thought of this before. Do you ride the horse or does the horse ride you? <laughs> well, I don't ride anything. That's for sure. I know that. I'm in... And I, I can be. see the horse when you come over. I can see the horse say, "No, no, 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 no. it's <laughs> yeah. not happening." No, they don't want. They don't want a piece of me. Oh no! Press that guy's still alive. I know that could be a potentially fatal injury. There, you kicked in the face by a horse, but you would you would just you would barely flinch if it did happen to you. But please don't get kicked in the face by a horse. So, um. We were going to do a draft in this segment of the biggest training camp questions, and one of my topics, one of my picks was going to be who gets injured and when, because we know it happens. We know it shuffles the deck all over again for the team it happens to, and we're scrapping the draft because it's happened, and the Bills aren't even at training camp yet. NFL Network reports that Naheem Hines is potentially out for the year now with a knee injury that he suffered working out on his own. That's one of the dangers of working out on your own. You get that injury, and they can decide they're not going to pay you. He's one of the running backs making more than $6 million a year. There aren't many non-superstar running backs making that kind of money, and they didn't use him last year. They traded for him at the deadline. He had a couple of touchdown returns in that Week 18 game against the Patriots, but they never quite incorporated him nope. into the offense the way they should. And there was a thought they were going to do it this year. Well, that thought is over now, if this report is accurate that he's out for the year. Yeah, poor Naheem Hines, really. I mean, really, it's, it's a guy that, you know, probably didn't get his fair, you know, fair share of touches with the Colts. He's in a place here with Buffalo that I think is finally going to maybe use him the right way and, and take advantage of the skills, and this happens. And, yeah, this is one here where, I, you know, 
I, you know, I know we'll find out more information, but I would think he, again, facilities aren't open for guys to train right now, right? Mike, this one's different. You got to train on your own. He's probably running sprints and doing things, getting ready for his conditioning test and something like that happened. And we see that. It's a shame. It really is. And it's, you know, not a deal breaker for them, Mike. We know that. But like you said, he, the element of the, you know, the space running back, the third down running back who can come out of the backfield. Now they're going to maybe have to rely on James Cook, you know, maybe more than they want to or a second-year running back. Hey, read this coverage and break this way or read that coverage and break that way. Things that maybe coaches are uncomfortable with younger running backs. That's where Naheem Hines, I think, was going to have a real role and now more of that pressure is going to go back on the James Cook's uh, shoulders there. To the extent that head coach Sean McDermott went to Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, after the season and said, one of the ways we got to get better is we got to use Naheem Hines more. You have to come up with ways to design plays that can get him to do on offense what he does in the return game. And whatever time was spent in the offseason coming up with that approach, it's now gone. Now, they could find somebody else, I suppose, to come in. Pete raised the question during the break of Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook doesn't want to go to Buffalo because it's his brother's team. And Dalvin Cook's not the guy that's going to replace the kick returner that you're going to use as a space right. option. You're not going to pay Dalvin Cook the kind of money that Naheem Himes is otherwise uh, due to make this year. Apparently, we have to take a break, although my clock must be off. I don't know why we have to break. Are we off the air? No, we're coming back one more segment to say goodbye. We have one more segment. Well, I know, but usually we we, we run it right up to, I don't know. It's been five weeks. Lay off me. I'm starving. I can't remember when we throw the break. You're getting old. At segment six. We'll be right back. (laughs) The Oilers are back. Oh, baby. Sorry, Houston. Sorry, Houston. Not your Oilers. The Tennessee Oilers, who existed for all of three seasons, 96, 97, 98, the Tennessee Oilers are back. I remember Chris Berman calling them the Tennessee Tuxedos, a reference to an old cartoon from the 60s when Oilers didn't fit. But you know what? Utah Jazz didn't fit. L.A. Lakers didn't fit. I never knew why and understood why they got rid of the Oilers' name. Why would you flush a brand that had that much equity attached to it and change to Titans? I never understood it, and when I see those uniforms, I understand it even less, Chris. Yeah, I I guess you're right. You you don't have to change the name. Uh, You're right, but I guess they want a new look, a new feel, whatever else. Those unis are awesome. Uh, it, it's amazing to see some of these old unis come back and go, wait, why did we ever change them? Why did we ever leave that uni? I mean, what a great look, but uh, cool to see them break it out a few times this year. People in Houston are very upset about it. They're going to wear them twice for home games this year. The Titans slash Oilers are. They haven't announced them yet, but if it's when the Texans oh, come they to should town, play against folks the Texans, in Houston, they got to do that. Super <laughs> pissed. Right. That's it. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. See you tomorrow. I think. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.